James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James, and today, bonus book review episode of Wind Up Toy and Other Stories by David Wayne Hughes. David Owen Hughes is an author out of UK, Wales, and he sent me this book probably a few months ago, and it's taken a while to get to it just because of other projects that I've been working on. However, when I received this book, I'd never heard of this author before, and I'd never heard of this title before. Uh, however, the cover was super interesting. Uh, he seemed like a very cool dude, so I was excited to get into this and check it out. You can check him at out at davidowainhughes.wixsite.com. You can get a copy of all of his works on there. You can find all the stuff that he has for sale. He also has free stories for you to read. And, I mean, the covers all look really awesome on this stuff. I mean, they're super. Some of his titles include Walled In, White Walls and Straight Jackets, and Choice Cuts Delicatessen. And the Choice Cuts Delicatessen has, like, this pig with this big meat cleaver, and there's this body that's been hatcheted open. It almost looks like a cover for a Slayer album. It's just really cool. So I'm loving the artwork on this stuff, and I should have known from the artwork kind of what I was getting into with this. Again, I think you know from watching my stuff the kind of horror that I enjoy and the stuff that really appeals to me. However, when doing a book review, and also when someone asks me to do an honest review, I want to look at it very objectively. What do I enjoy about this? What might someone else who enjoys this type of part subgenre of horror enjoys this to me which i've never read anything like this before was i'm gonna call it splatterpunk and i'm sorry if that's miscategorizing it but i just think that's what it's it's got extreme violence it's extremely crude sexual deviance i mean all the things that could possibly make i mean incest it's got all the things that could possibly make you uncomfortable are in this book and not only are they in this book but they're very in your face the author makes no bones or apologies in his writing about this stuff. So that's the kind of content that's in this book. We are about to do kind of a walk through the book. Um, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. So if you're in, if you're listening to it and you're interested as we're going through this, I would suggest you pause it, go out and buy his works, read them, and then come back to the review later. And please leave your comments and reviews and what you thought about it on this. That would be awesome. So just wanted to say that up front. So I've said it a bunch of times, but again, the name of the book, Wind Up Toy and Other Stories by David Owain Hughes. And I hope I'm saying that right. Again, he, he hails from Wales, so I'm sure there's an accent on there that I am not getting as I am from very much the mountains of East Tennessee. So anyway, this book was published by Darker Wood Publishing Group. And just a little bit about David. He has an Instagram page just by his name that you can go and check out. And you see on there that this not only is an author, but he's a runner, he's a gamer, a horror nerd, and he practices American kickboxing. Has some really cool pics of him on there kicking ass in the gym, getting a sweat, and just doing his thing. And I just think that's really awesome. So let's get into this book. So I start reading the story, right? And I believe it's going to be within the first five or ten pages, maybe even the first five we have a guy who has a like a male chastity belt. He has like a cage around his dick, right? And so as I'm reading this, I'm like, holy shit, what am I about to read here? Um, the, even the first page, it's just filled with a bunch of uh, a really aggressive, 
uh, sexual frustration and disillusionment, and you can tell that the the main character Simon is who is the guy with the dick cage is he's just full of all this sexual violent angst, right? So again, like I said, not normally something that I would read. However, I was interested, and I you know if I start reading a book, I'm gonna finish it. So because I want to see you know what it's all about, and you never know what you like until you read it. So maybe it was something I'd be into. So I gotta see what happens to Simon. I gotta see what happens to this dick cage. Let's move on. Simon in this first chapter, we find out he's talking to, I guess here in America, it would be like a suicide helpline or, or something along those lines. And he's talking to like, the, the person on the other line about all, like his childhood and his past and things that have, have made him the way he is and the things that he's explaining. He goes into some detail, some things he's kind of being coy about, but he is giving her a lot of information as he's speaking with her. We find out that he has a broad Welsh accent and that this is this whole story takes place on the seaside town of Porthcall, South Wales. From these conversations that he's having, we find out that his dad was a maker of softcore porn and horror movies, and he was from Italy, and his mom was a stripper from Wales, and we find out that when he's nine, he was like beating his teddy rubskin with a hammer while... His mom, I guess, was like whoring upstairs. <laughs> Again, this thing, and I guess, you know, trigger warnings is the way to do. This is going to have a lot of sexual violence, incest, and a lot of things that I brought up earlier. So, again, if it's not your cup of tea or if you're just not curious or whatever, go ahead and turn it off now because that's the kind of stuff that happened. But if you want to find out about maybe a subgenre that you don't know a lot about, I think this author is a good step into that because, like I said, it is full, frontal, in your face. No apologies. This this author makes no bones about what he's trying to do in this book. And I believe I read a blurb somewhere, maybe it was on his website, where you know he was saying that horror isn't supposed to be comfortable, and so he takes that and runs it through a brick wall, so to say. And yeah, he absolutely does. Now, as he's telling this story, he's uh, as, as he's telling the story about when he's a child, he's downstairs in the basement, and that's where he has to stay when his mother is upstairs doing whatever kind of crazy sex porn stuff that she's doing upstairs and we're introduced to I guess you're going to call them his friends he has a clown that he calls Mr. Tickles which is like a two foot tall stuffed clown and he's got all these G.I. Joes that he renames as his crew and I will say a lot of the references in here this this uh David's got to be about the same age I am because he's got he knows all the names unless he just did research for this time period. But it sounds like he's just as much a fan. He knows all the G.I. Joe names and, of course, Teddy Rubskin and stuff like that. He just puts out a bunch of references that just kind of are cool, you know, neat as you're reading it. Like, oh, I remember that. You know, it's kind of neat. Cool. And then, of course, this kid, Simon, who is extremely, you know, just kind of fucked in the head. He ends up naming them all just crazy he renames the G.I. Joe stuff like Rape Charge, Spiked Mace, Neck Snap, Incest, and Cum Slot. One of them's name is Cum Slot. This kid's nine years old. Whoa, what are we getting into, right? So as I'm reading this, I'm like, well, that's pretty shocking. Well, I mean, where can we go from here? You know, he's already like mutilating teddy bears. And there's actually a really cool scene where he's, he's uh, it's almost like a hostage situation that, that Simon's kind of playing out in his mind and with his toys and stuff. And it's a very cool scene. I mean, you could see it be translated into anything with adults, like an action scene or something like that. It's done, it's done very well. And uh, so that's cool. We find out that Simon has a sister, and it's spelled S I 
C-Y-A-N. Now, is that cyan? 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 I'm going to say cyan. And if I get it wrong, I'm sorry. Cyan, I think, over here is spelled C-Y-A-N, but it could be cyan with an accent. So, David, if you're listening to this and I am fucking butchering this name, I apologize. So I want to take a break real quick. I looked on YouTube on how to say the names in this because I want to respect the author and where he comes from. So what I was saying, Simon is Simone and Cyan is Sean. So I hope I'm saying Sean and Simone right and we're just going to move on from there, okay? So anyway, so we find out some more stuff about Simone and that he... At some point when he was growing up, he used to watch his mother dance naked and his friend, Mr. Tickles, used to encourage him and say super lewd, perverted stuff about sex all the time. And I mean, really, really graphic, really sexually graphic stuff. Now, as these conversations with the suicide hotline, uh, they call it the Samaritan line. So, you know, like I said, I believe that's probably the equivalent of what we have here that we might call a suicide hotline or something like that. He's speaking with a certain person, and her name is Tony, and they kind of develop a relate. Like she's she's scared of what's happening, but she's also in, interested, I guess, in what's happening. And if I will say, you know, so if, if you want an honest review, I do feel like the relationship between the two of those was just super duper unrealistic even as it progressed and they're near the end however i will say the story would not have been the way it was had their relationship not so you know horror is fiction and all that kind of stuff so you 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 dispend you know belief a little bit when you're reading these things and i believe that's just one of those things that you just kind of have to kind of have to bowl over is if like i said if these stories are if if uh, splatterpunk and all that is your cup of tea then this is definitely for you and none of that shit's going to matter but for me where this is my first introduction to these kind of stories uh, it was one thing that I kind of had to uh, I guess just put on the back burner of my mind a little bit and just accept what the author was giving me and roll with the story anywho we find out through Simone's uh, conversations with Tony that when he was 11 and his sister Sean was 15 that his sister started having sex with him. I know, right? Okay, not what I was expecting either. I mean, he does have his dick in a cage, and I forgot to say that at the beginning of this, when he's talking to Tony, when uh, Simone's talking to Tony on the suicide hotline, that he's at like a state fair, and he's just kind of hiding around, talking to her on the phone. And as he's talking to this, he's, he, like I said, he's hiding. And the story starts talking about how he's not supposed to be out, and he's supposed to be home, and he starts talking about someone named Chaos. And that like that's the individual's name who he's to well, I gotta get home to Chaos. Well, Chaos would never allow this. And you you start to get this idea that he is controlled by someone named Chaos. So he's having these conversations with Tony. He starts to tell her about how, you know, when he was eleven and fifteen, his sister basically started molesting and raping him. You know, I guess it's gonna be rape because of the age difference, so sexual assault, whatever you want to call it. That is what's going on. Well, at some point, his mom comes home one night while this stuff is going on, and they get caught. They get caught doing some incesty, brothery, sister stuff. Now, I will say, David, if you're listening to this, and I don't know if you listen to these or not, but if you've made it this far, I do have a question. So, we have stereotypes here in East Tennessee about hillbillies and rednecks 
and stuff like that. And one of those stereotypes is that people that live in the mountains often uh, are, for whatever reason, labeled as people that might have sexual relations with their... This is the nicest way ever to say this, <laughs> and not how I would talk, but it's a podcast. But have sexual relations with their family members, maybe their sisters or their cousins or their brothers or whatever that might be. So is this... Obviously, it's just for the story, but I'm just wondering, in Wales, is there a stereotype for a part of Wales? Is that where this comes from? Maybe we can do an interview later. That would be cool. Uh, love to have you on the show. We could talk about this book or maybe something new that you have coming out or, you know, these kind of stereotypes and stuff. And, uh, yeah, that would be great. So if you're getting this, you can email me at just or anyone can email me at just James podcast at gmail.com. So we move on and the mom catches him. She freaks out. And she takes the sister away, and I I believe he never sees her again or something like that. She kind of disappears. He never sees her, and that really affected him on top of, of course, all the stuff that was going on with him and his mom before and his dad and all that. So this is just more compounding trauma to this guy that, you know, made him the person that he is. So a cool thing that this book does is you have this whole conversation that takes place, and then on maybe the next chapter or the next group of chapters or whatever, it'll move to the t- to Tony's perspective, to who he was talking to at the Samaritan hotline. So it'll go to her perspective and what was happening either like right as she hung up. So you, it's kind of cool that you get to see it's not just focused, even though it has a main character, we're not just following him around this whole time. So it'll cut to Tony and what she's doing, and then it might cut back to Simone and what he's doing. Um, we, and especially when we start getting involved with chaos and some of the other characters. And it's just really cool how this works because even I, I know me, as I was reading that first chapter, I was sitting there thinking, oh man, I wonder what's going on on the other side of this. Like, I wonder what she's thinking. And then boom, it hits us what, here's what she was thinking as this was going on. And here's what she did afterwards. So I did really like that part of the book and the way he did that. He did it in a way that was, you know, really relative. I mean, it was seamless, you know, the way he did it, it was very seamless. It seemed natural in the book. It seemed, it didn't seem out of place or anything like that. I liked the way the whole thing worked. And I'll say this, now, but I'll also say it a couple of times throughout this. And even though splatterpunk and, and all that, I, I would still say isn't my favorite genre. And I'll say even not my top three. It doesn't mean that I still didn't enjoy parts of the book. And this, but but what I want to say about the author, this uh, David Owain Hughes, dude, your prose are fucking butter. I mean, they are just. They are just like the Velveeta cheese of writing. Everything was so smooth. So like as I was reading the book, it was just it it, it, it took no effort at all. So, you know, when you're reading to yourself and you have that kind of inner monologue of when you're reading to yourself and your brain's kind of reading to you or whatever, there was no herky jerky anything. So I don't I mean, obviously, you know, you're an exceptional writer and I'm sure it's props to your editor as well. But everything just went so smooth. It was some of the best writing that I'd ever seen. And so for me to read that and then have that material, you know, if you wrote like a fucking crime mystery novel or, or anything else, you know, I'd, I'd just be blown away. So um, it's just this material isn't my favorite. So that's why, you know, it still didn't take away anything from the writing. It, it was just seamless. It had great flow. Everything worked out when 
when there's conversations going on, a lot of times in this book, there'll be multiple characters talking at once and a lot of things happening at once, kind of a, a dynamic situation where there's a, a, a lot of things to keep track of. And never once, even though there was multiple characters, did I have to think to my, like, wait a minute, okay, well, well, who is this person again? Or what are they doing? Or who's talking now? Or, you know, someone's doing an action, but who? Because before we were talking about this person, there was just no confusion, whatever. So, yeah, David, bomb-ass writing, man. So we find out through a couple more conversations that Simone has uh, a little bit more about Sean and that it was, we find out they have different dads. And so Sean is really more his half-sister. So they're not exact. I mean, it's still your half-sister. They have different dads. And then she said that she learned all the things that she was doing to Simone from her dad, and he used to call her his little angel. I mean, it just gets dark. It gets really dark. It gets really dark and devious and nasty and just, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, are all splatterpunk books like this? Are they all like this? I mean, you know, for sure, David wants to make you uncomfortable, okay? Because horror is uncomfortable and he wants to make you uncomfortable and he absolutely accomplishes that goal in the things that he writes about. Like I said, there's no lead up to it. I mean, as soon as I started reading, it was just like a bat to the face. Like, here you go, whack. You know, you're getting all of it and you're getting it all right in the face. And so, yeah, um, new to me. So, you know, exciting in, in that aspect. So we cut to a part to where Tony gets a random phone call and it, it's just, you can't really understand what anyone's saying, and it's just kind of muffled, and you hear something about a bloody beach, and someone's crying, and all this stuff, and you don't really know what in the world that's all about. And as a matter of fact, when it comes up, it's not really a big deal. You don't know what it's all about. However, when we switch to our next chapter with Simone, you find out more about what's going on. Now, before I go into this part, there there is a portion in there so i mentioned someone named chaos we find out that simone is with this dominatrix for lack of a better term and her name is chaos looking at some of the previous titles i believe he has other books about this character and she is a really cool character i mean i i, I think so i thought she was one of the uh, pretty unique and just the way she was and you know she's just as violent and uh, you know, just dark and, and, and just a nasty person, you know, in, in, in what she does. So, uh, just as much as Simone, you know, I'll say that. However, he takes the role of not the dominatrix, but whatever you call the person that's being dominated. I guess there's probably a word for that, but I don't know what it is. He talks about how she beats him violently. Sometimes she makes him sleep in a cage. Uh, she, you know, uh, humiliates him, you know, makes fun of his, his, stuff like his dick and and all of that kind of things likes to humiliate him and just really super heavy dominatrix stuff and this is the relationship that they have but simone talks about wanting out of this relationship now you start feeling bad for this guy even though all this super violent stuff that's going on and his demeanor and the way he talks and his attitude because of how he was raised you know he's being raped by his half sister and his mom's doing porn stuff in front of him or whatever his dad's a, a you know, porn director or whatever. So you start, you know, feeling bad, like, oh man, this guy's had some, you know, some shit happen to him. And that's how he's ended up in this situation. And that's why he, you know, turned out the way he did. And then we flash back to Simone and him being, I guess, at that fair or, or whatever it was. And 
he's having a good time. You know, he's got some money in his pocket. He's playing some games. Oh, shout out to some of the game references in here. Sunset Riders, Rolling Thunder, Mortal Kombat, Lethal Enforcers. Listener, if you're listening and you hear Lethal Enforcers, do you remember playing that? I mean, it used to be, for me, it was at the movie theater. You'd have Lethal Enforcers and a game called NARC and just a bunch of other... Oh, Splatterhouse, he brings that up in the book. Final Fight. All these games are here at this uh, carnival thing that he's at and he's playing them. So, again, just a couple of call-outs to things that people will recognize that are pretty cool. Just little shout-outs, you know, in the book. And honestly, when stuff like this happens, it, it almost gives you time to breathe. And the reason I say that is because the material in this book is so intense the whole time. It's nice in different parts of the book to where, you know, something not super you know, sexually explicit or something super hyper-violent is happening that you can kind of take that breath, you know, before you get started. Because you know each chapter is about to bring the fucking pain. And so, you know, for me, it was cool to get that little break. So Simone's at the carnival. He's having a good time. And all of a sudden, these two teenage chicks start hitting on him. These two teenage chicks start hitting on him. And he's interested, but he knows that Chaos doesn't want him messing around with anyone else. She wants to be the only one that, you know, he has sexual pleasure from and all that kind of stuff. And I can't remember how old he is in the story, but he is certainly not a teenager. These teenage girls start hitting on him. They want to use him to, you know, buy alcohol or something like that. So he starts talking to them. He starts talking about how easy it is to manipulate them and how stupid they are and all this kind of stuff. And ends up getting them alcohol and getting them drunk under a pier. And uh, it's a look... It's about to get fucking crazy, okay? So if you don't want to hear crazy, fast forward a little bit, all right? I'll give you time. Go ahead and do it now. All right, if you're still here, here we go. So they're under the pier. He's there with these teenage girls, and they start talking. You know, he starts trying to, like, get them to, you know, he's trying to go to first, second, and third base with these two chicks. Well, he ends up dropping his pants at some point. They're showing him, showing him their tits and all this stuff. And, uh, of course, when he drops his pants, if you remember, what's he got around his package? He's got a steel cage, like a lion in the circus, right? And so they start laughing at him, kind of making fun of him. He gets weird, gets aggressive with them. They decide they want to leave. And so I guess he does what anyone in that situation with a cage on their dick would do. He decides, I've got to kill these girls. So he kills them by bashing their head in the rock, with a rock and a couple of other things. Like I said, it's just kind of super hyper-violent. You'd have to read it. Um, written very well though, always. And so he does this and ends up breaking the cage off of his junk. And the reason why I say, I, I, and (laughs) we'll just say it. He just beats off on him. Okay. It's what he does. It's in the story. I've never read anything like this, man. It blew my mind. I've never read anything like this. And I'm sure there's thousands of these books. And like I said, I've just never read the Splatterhouse stuff or Splatterhouse, uh, Splatterpunk style stuff i would think you know i do mostly movie reviews so maybe that's why this is newer to me but i would compare this to kind of like the torture porn stuff that comes out um the really really aggressive torture porn stuff that comes out so a lot of that art the clown shit that's out now and all the stuff that predates that that was a thousand times worse obviously none of the mainstream movies but that's kind of what you're getting in this book so yeah he does that and someone like a a dog or or, or, so he decides he's going to bury him and then they're just going to get taken out with the tide 
And as he's doing that, like a fucking dog shows up or something. So then he's dealing with this dog and then there's some old man that sees him and he's freaking out. And there's this whole confrontation between the two of them and he's running down the beach. He's chasing a dog and I won't give all this part away, but all this kind of craziness is happening, right? And it's out of, out of nowhere, really. So the interesting part about this is we flip to another chapter to where Tony, the Samaritan call, uh, you know, person that he was talking to earlier actually went on a date that night. And where did her date, her and her date, and her friends end up? Well, they ended up on the beach. Where at the beach? Next to the pier. And what do they see? Some dude running like a madman down the beach. And all these stories just start tying together. All these scenes start tying together. And you realize that they just kind of keep running into each other. It's almost uh, faded in a way. Fated, not faded, but it's like fate. You know, they just kind of keep crossing each other's paths. So our story breaks into all kinds of hell from there. Obviously, he's murdered these two young girls, and now he still has to go home to this dominatrix lady named Chaos that beats him and stuff. So chapters roll forward, and now we finally are introduced to Chaos. Because I want to meet her. I know, certainly from all this stuff, I've got to find out what she's all about. So we meet Chaos, and of course, she is completely nude in her house. And not only is she nude, but she opens up the window or the door or something and starts yelling at all these kids that are out by the streetlight. And why are the kids out by the streetlight? Because they know that she likes to walk around her house nude because her being this sexually exploitative, you know, whatever the word is, she likes to an exhibitionist, I guess. Is that what it's called? Be an exhibitionist. She likes to be nude for people to see her and to, you know, do that or whatever. So. It says in there about how they, you know, it's no secret that she likes to do this in her house and the neighbors hate it and she loves that they hate it. But however, she is getting upset that Simone is not back. He's late and she does not like to be lied to or made to wait or anything like that. So she starts getting super pissed and she's talking about all this stuff she's going to do to him when he gets back. And in doing so, talks about all the stuff that she's already done about how like she's put him in the hospital a couple of times and all this other stuff. And... To prepare for him getting home, she breaks out this steel whip and I think it's got like barbed wire or something like that. And she's talking about how she's just going to, you know, beat him to death and all this stuff when he gets home. So, I mean, super intense character. And I won't, I don't guess I want to give it all the way, but, you know, Simone at some point does come home. He does end up getting beat. He does get put in a cage. And so what does Chaos do? Just to kind of let you know where she's at. What does she want to do? When he gets home, other than beat him and put him in a cage, well, she wants to go get another guy, bring him home, and then, like, bang this guy in front of Simone Wise in the cage, right? So, just super, you know, tortury, kind of in-your-face kind of stuff, and, you know, she she gets off on it, and then and, and he does too, in a way, and it's just this crazy, <laughs> it's crazy, man, it's this crazy relationship, never read anything like it. And our story moves forward from there, and all these storylines are going to come together. I really don't want to give the end of this story away, just because I, I think I've said enough to let you know that it's hyper-violent. I'll let you know there's, you know, there's people getting slaughtered with hammers, there's people getting beat to death, there's people getting chopped up. I mean, all these things occur in the book, so I, I, I don't want to go into that, but I do want to let you know that... It just continues to roll and roll and roll like a snowball down a hill, just getting bigger and more intense. And each scene is almost, I guess, trying to outdo the the scene before it. But 
all in all, I thought the storyline was good. Like I said, this writing is just pristine. It's just so easy to read. It just flows together so good. So even if this isn't your favorite type of material, if you're a writer, maybe just pick this book up and, and check out this guy's writing style. I don't know if it has to do with maybe because we're from different countries or something. And so maybe theirs is just a little more polished where, you know, his style of writing, or maybe that's just his, his own, you know, uh, talent or whatever that's doing that. But yeah, I just found it a really easy read. You know, this guy, it, it's like this guy could write directions on how to make pff, microwave mac and cheese. And I'd be like, damn, this is smooth, you know? <laughs> so, um, but again, the splatterpunk genre, never anything like this. Do you write Splatterpunk? Do you want to send me a book and let me check it out and do a review on here? Send it in. Let me know. Uh, get on it. I'm on Instagram, so you can send me something on there. Just message me or whatever. I didn't not like the book, but again, it's not my favorite genre. I did enjoy reading it. I thought the ending was kind of cool. I will say there was this flip and the author will know what I'm talking about. And you, However, you won't, but uh, you'll think you know, but you don't. You got to read it to find out. There is this flip in empowerment that happens that I just, uh, that was the only part that didn't, it's not that it didn't make sense. I understand why it was happening, but where there was kind of no real build up to it, uh, it just, I don't know, it felt a little, it felt, it just fell a little flat for me. That's all. It didn't really ruin anything. It's just, you know, the flip was just so sudden. I didn't really, you know, didn't really buy it, but, uh, the end, there's an ending beach scene that I just thought was awesome. I mean, it was so it was so over the top, and um, I'll just give you a hint. It involves Simone and Tony, the Samaritan, uh, call the girl on the that was on the other end, the operator. That's the name. It involves those two and a couple other people. But anyway, it's it's near it's near the very end of this of this particular book, and to me that was my favorite scene because it was just so off the wall, and I could just see it almost like picturesque in a movie how it would play out and what it would look like. And, uh, yeah, it was, a it was a romp, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that is Wind Up Toy. So, like I said, I, you know, I did spoil quite a bit of it for you. I didn't give away the ending. There's a lot that you missed. So, if you like what we've talked about so far, definitely go check out this book. Check out David's website. Check out his Instagram. I'll put it in the, in the description and all that. So, all the links will be there. You can go and check out his other works. A lot of his stuff looks really cool. And especially if you're into this kind of genre, I think this is definitely going to be your guy. Go and check that out. There are other stories in there. So, Wind Up Toy is 22 chapters. And then there are very short stories afterwards titled Blood Bullets and Bobbles, Jinism, King Shit, Shoot Them All and Let God Sort Them Out, Wasteland Warfare. So those are the other short stories that are in there. I'm going to tell you I didn't read... Uh, I only read one of those, and it was Jinism. And I'll tell you about Jinism, okay? It's probably one of the shorter ones in there. I did read some reviews of uh, what other people had read those stories and really seemed to enjoy them. It seemed like a lot of people really liked Blood Bullets and Bobbles. I'm probably saying that wrong. And Shoot Them All and Let God Sort Them Out. I think a lot of people seemed to enjoy those. Uh, however, I didn't read them. But Jinism, let me tell you about this one. And I'll just go ahead and tell you this whole story, so... Or I'll just give you a brief overview, which essentially tells you the whole story, just to let you know a little bit more about this author and the kind of stuff you're getting into. It's about a guy, about a guy and a girl. Okay, a lot of his stuff is about relationships, but it's so, you know, sexually involved and stuff. That's just why, you know, it's about couples and relationships and people having sex. In this instance, we have a guy and a girl, and they're having sex, and they're doing, you know, of course, it's it gets graphic and descriptive and all that kind of stuff. But what happens is, when this guy... 
I don't, I don't know the best word to use. Cum, jizzes, ejaculates. I, I don't know. I don't know what the best non-offensive <laughs> word for that for cum, you know, is. So anyway, he ejaculates, and when he does, what comes out? Well, I mean, you know what comes out, but it's a it's a genie. He's had a he has a genie that lives in his ball sack, and when he ejaculates, the genie comes out and like consumes the person that made him come out and then takes them back inside the sack to keep them as like a sack prisoner or something like that. So it's uh it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> that is just the crazy the this this guy's mind and the things he thinks of are just so so off the wall and you know to, it was entertaining. That's what I'll say. It was just entertaining, okay? So yeah, if this if you've listened so far and this sounds like something you want to check out, please go check out David Owen Hughes. Check out his other works. Thank you so much for listening to this week's bonus episode. If you like what you hear, consider following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, and all the other places where podcasts and shit play. This is the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James. 